Okay, brothers and sisters in the faith, we are truly happy to have you join us today to study the words of God. As you know, we are studying currently the book of Judges in the BHP, the Bible History Project. And so we're going to look at Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5 to look at the story of Deborah and Barak. And so Deborah and Barak and their story is accounted for in the book of Judges chapter 4 and Judges chapter 5. So Judges 4 is about the narration of the historical event of Deborah and Barak. And Judges number 5, or chapter 5, is the song of Deborah and Barak. And it turns out when we examine closely the song of Deborah and Barak, we get some of the details of the historical event or narrative that is in Judges 4. So when we go through Judges 4, we're going to look at Judges 5 to kind of fill in the details of what's not included in Judges number four. So let's go ahead and begin by looking at the backdrop or the background of Deborah and Barak. In the book of Judges 4, 1, 2, 3, after Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in Yahuwah's sight. So Yahuwah turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth, Hagogim, Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to Yahuwah for help. So that's the background, as we know, in this vicious cycle or spiral towards destruction that we find the people of Israel enter into in the book of Judges. Here, after Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in Yahuwah's sight. So what does Yahuwah do to discipline his people? He turns them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite. And so when we look at the map, Hazor is up north. It is north near Manasseh. You can see the map. We circled it in red. That is where Hazor is, the central headquarters of the Canaanite king, King Jabin. Of course, when we study the book of Judges, in, the, in Judges chapter 4, the main uh antagonist is really Sisera, who is the commander of the army of King Jabin. So the story of Judges chapter 4, it's going to focus on Deborah and Barak against Sisera and his army, which is a formidable one, because not only do they have thousands that number their army, they also have 900 iron chariots. And we know in our past study, if you were equipped with iron chariots, it means you were advanced when it comes to weaponry. And so they were considered a superpower nation because of 900 iron chariots. In contrast, the people of Israel, when they were subject uh, to these oppressors, in this case, the Canaanites, well, they had limited access to weaponry. So we can see the David and Goliath scenario where we have the Canaanites overwhelming and oppressing the Israelites for 20 years. And so what would they do because of this oppression? Bible says they cried out to Yahuwah for help. And so that's something we need to realize as human beings, we will make mistakes every now and then, right? You will commit sin and fall into apostasy. However, when we are under the disciplining hand of Yahuwah, our Father, our first step must be to cry out in repentance, to cry out for Yahuwah 
for help because he's always ready to listen to our cries, just as Yahuwah was always listening to the cries for help of his people Israel, even though they did not deserve it. And so what would Yahuwah do in response? He would raise a prophet or raise a judge or a heroic figure. In this case, it would be Deborah. Who was Deborah? Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth. We don't really know who that is. It just mentions he is, she is the wife of Lapidoth. Was a prophet. And so that's interesting. Deborah is a prophet. What does a prophet do? They prophesy. They speak the word of God. They give guidance to the people of Israel. And so when Yahuwah wants his people to know and learn something that he wants done, he uses a prophet or a prophetess. So Deborah was a prophet, a woman prophet at that. And so there are women prophets in the Holy Bible. For example, there was Miriam, who is a prophet, Exodus 15, 20. Huldah, 2 Kings 22, 14. Anna, Luke 2, 36. And Philip's four daughters, Acts 21, 8 to 9. These are examples of the people of God who were women who were used powerfully as instruments to speak the word of God. And so we know that Yahuwah can work in and through a woman. Did you get that? especially in the Christian era. And so it's it, although it is uncommon, there are instances where God chooses to use a woman to lead the people of Israel. So Deborah was a prophet. Not only was she a prophet, Bible also says who was judging Israel. So she was a prophet and a judge. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Now, what the judges would do is to settle disputes. Because from time to time, the people of Israel would get into conflict with one another. It's just what happens when people live together. They, go, they have misunderstandings and have conflict. And so they would present the case to a judge. The judge will look at the words of God and see which is applicable. Which law of God is binding and which is loosing? This is where we get the term binding and loosing, loosing from. So we know that uh, Deborah was a respected judge. She was a leader because of her ability to apply the word of God for certain situations to bring reconciliation between two parties who are at a misunderstanding. And so she was a prophet and she was a judge. Being a prophet, she would reserve word from Yahuwah from time to time. And because Yahuwah listened and heard the cries of the people of Israel, because they were under the oppression of the Canaanites, Yahuwah responded by, in Judges 4, 6 to 7, one day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what Yahuwah, the God of Israel, commands you, call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulon at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. And so Yahuwah, in responding to the cries for help of his people Israel, he decides 
to call out Barak. And to get the word to Barak, he uses as an instrument Deborah, the prophet. And so Deborah moves, is moved by Yahuwah. Deborah speaks to Barak and says to Barak, this is what Yahuwah, the God of Israel, commands you. And so here we have a word from Yahuwah. This is a command from Yahuwah directed towards Barak. What is the command of Yahuwah? Yahuwah basically tells Barak to call out 10,000 warriors. And when he is called to summon 10,000 of his warriors, when he fulfills that calling, Yahuwah would fulfill his part of the bargain or part of the partnership. Because in verse 7, he says, I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. So Yahuwah, in this word from Deborah, is guaranteeing victory over the Canaanites, over Jabin's army. But for this victory to be carried out, there has to be participation on the part of Barak. This is why he calls Barak, call out 10,000 warriors. Do your part, and I will do mine. I will give you victory. And so Yahuwah invites people in partnership to work together with him. He did this in the past, and he does so even today. Because we know Yahuwah is at work on behalf of his people. And so we need to always be alert for opportunities when Yahuwah wants to work together with us. Entering into a partnership with Yahuwah requires faith and trust. You know why? Because Yahuwah will not partner up with us to do something mundane or ordinary. No, when he wants to work with us, it's because he wants to do something extraordinary. And oftentimes these extraordinary things begin with fearsome challenges, which leads us to a powerful biblical principle that I want each and every one of us to remember. Whenever there are fearsome challenges in our life, these situations are actually opportunities for us to enter into partnership with Yahuwah God. And so when we enter or are experiencing something problematic, let us cry out to Yahuwah for help and ask that he deliver us. And so this was the situation of Israel during the days of Deborah and Barak. So Barak was called and he has at his disposal, well, not at his disposal, but under his leadership, 10,000 warriors. But Sisera had a much larger army. Not only did Sisera have a much larger army, he also had access to more advanced weaponry, which includes what? The 900 iron chariots. And so when we're talking about strategy and logistics, there's just no way in terms of human strategy that Barak can overcome Sisera. And so this is a fearsome challenge. These are entry points for Yahuwah to be with us, to work through us. This is why in one of the most repeated commands of Yahuwah, do not be afraid. It is accompanied with the promise, I will be with you. And so we know Barak 
and his warriors are going to face Sisera, and it would require a lot of faith and a lot of trust for Barak to go into battle against Sisera. But what helped them out to develop his faith? Let's read the book of Judges 4, 8 to 9. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture for Yahuwah's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. And so when Deborah gives the message to Barak that he needs to get his 10,000 warriors to fight against Sisera, well, Barak was kind of lacking faith, right? Which is not surprising because the one who received the message was who? Deborah. So in a way, he had to place faith in Deborah and Yahuwah because he did not receive it directly, right? So it kind of makes sense. And so we know initially Barak's faith was conditional. And so if he were to, if he were to go to battle with Deborah by his side, Deborah tells her that you will not receive honor and glory for the victory. Instead, it will go to the woman who's who will be the instrument to bring to bring it about this victory. But I think to Barak, it doesn't really matter who gets the honor and the glory. That's a good thing about Barak. He was willing to do the work. He was, you know, initially kind of lacked faith, but eventually he mustered enough faith, which is what we typically go through. I mean, no person is going to have instant faith. It's something we build on. That's something we need to understand. Barak is very much like us. As a human being, we have fear, right? And one of the things that define courage is not to go into battle without fear, but to feel afraid, but still choose to go anyways because of faith, right? So Barak, Barak was able to develop enough faith to overcome his fear. And what does he eventually do? In Judges 4.10 of Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. So we know that Barak eventually took the action of faith. And so faith is more so the action than the feeling. Did you get that? Yes, Barak initially had fear, but he did not let the fear overcome him which is why he took action. And so he took the action of faith because he reckoned that they belonged to the people of Yahuwah. And so eventually he took 10,000 warriors who went up with him. Deborah also went with him. So Deborah was by his side. They worked together and Deborah was the prophet who guided him by giving him the word of God. So Barak calls together his troops and they gather in Kadesh, which is just north of Hazor. You see that in the map. That is where they're situated. And so as they gather in Kadesh, behind the scenes, Yahuwah is up to something. But what did he do? What happens next? In verse 11, now Heber or Heber, uh, the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, had moved away from the other members of his tribe 
and pitched his tent by the oak of Za'ah Nanim near Kadesh. And so the Kenites, well, they had peaceful relations with Israel, and so they resided in Judah. So they basically were they they, they were they pitched their, the tribes gathered in Judah, and they kind of have good relations with both Jabib, the Canaanites, and the Israelites. One of these Kenites, Heber, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, decides for some reason, right? but we know behind the scenes, Yahuwah is the one who's kind of working behind the scenes. For some reason, Heber, the Kenite, he, he goes up north to Kadesh. And so from Judah, he goes up north, right? For what reason? We'll find out later. You see, Yahuwah is always working behind the scenes to carry out his purposes. So we have um, Barak is organizing his troops. And when Sisera hears about this, what does he do? Well, in 12 to 13, when Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Harosheth Hagoim to the Kishan River. And so he was in full battle mode. Not 800, but 900, the full force of the iron chariots that he had in his possession, in addition to all, not most, but all his warriors. And so he was ready to go and do battle with Barak. And so what happened when they were ready? Let's read the book, uh, Judges 4.14. And Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day Yahuwah will give you victory over Sisera, for Yahuwah is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. Isn't that nice? I mean, talk about confidence. You think Barak had confidence? I think so. Where did he get this confidence from? From the word of God. How did he get the word of God? From Deborah, who was a prophet. What did she say? He said, get ready. This is the day Yahuwah will give you victory over Sisera. What's the proof that this is a day of victory? Yahuwah is marching ahead of you. That's always something we want to hear. Don't you wish you had someone like Deborah with you who is always encouraging you, motivating you? Deborah was fulfilling that part in this battle. She didn't, I, I don't think she even took a sword out, <laughs> but she was helpful when she was giving encouragement and motivation. She tells Barak, go into battle because you will be victorious. And so this is exactly what Barak did. He got his 10,000 warriors and they went down the slopes of Mount Tabor and they went into battle. However, when they went into battle, who did most of the fighting? Let's read 15 to 16. When Barak attacked, what's the next word? Yahuwah. You see, when Barak took action, what does Yahuwah do? He responds. You see, Yahuwah, our father, responds to our action more than our words, right? So Barak, when he, when he began to attack Yahuwah, he did his part 
he threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harasheth Hagoyim, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Pretty easy battle, don't you think? Doesn't record any casualties. But who did the work? Mostly who? Yahuwah. What did Yahuwah do? He threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. I wonder how. What did Yahuwah do which caused Sisera and the chariots and the warriors into a panic? Remember, the strength of Sisera was his 900 iron chariots. You know what Yahuwah did? We find that out in the song. And so we jump to the song, and in the song it says this. The kings of Canaan came and fought at Ta'anak in Megiddo Springs, but they carried off no silver treasures. The stars fought from heaven. The stars in their orbits fought against Sisera. The Kishon River swept them away. The, that ancient torrent, the Kishon, march on with courage, my soul. Then the horses' hooves hammered the ground, the galloping, galloping of Sisera's mighty deeds. And so we can see how Yahuwah caused them into a panic. You notice the Bible mentions the stars fought from heaven. Who do you think is depicted here as the stars? <laughs> the heavenly hosts, the angels, right? Yahuwah's angels. But not only that, something interesting here. The Bible tells us the Kishon River swept them away. How? That ancient torrent, the horse's hooves hammered the ground. Bible tells us Yahuwah provided a torrent of rain, which caused the Kishon River to flood, causing the ground to be muddied. And so what would happen to the iron chariots? They would tumble all over. They would be hammered to the ground. So the iron chariots, which was their strength because of the muddy slopes, it became their weakness. And so that is how Yahuwah took care of Sisera's army. Yahuwah used their strength and turned it into their weakness. And so Yahuwah caused them to go into a panic. And because of that, they all galloped to their own destruction. This is how Yahuwah took care of Sisera's warriors. However, the Bible does tell us Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. And so what happens after Sisera has left uh, his chariot because now he's set free. You don't want the leader to be set free. Well, Yahuwah has something for that too. Remember, you cannot surprise Yahuwah. He already knows Sisera is going to leap down from his chariot and escape on foot. He knows that. And so what does Sisera do? <laughs> Let's read 17 and 18. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Remember Heber the Kenite who went to Kadesh from Judah? And so he pitched the tent there. And when Sisera ran for his life looking for refuge, he runs to this place, uh, a tent that belongs to Heber the Kenite. And when he was there, who happens to be there? Jael, a woman 
Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. And so here's Sisera looking for refuge and finds a tent of Jael. And so he finds refuge. He, find, he finds safety. And he's covered with a blanket. And then what does he say? Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody, if anybody comes and asks you if there is anyone here, say, no. So here's Jael. When Sisera asked for water, what does she give? Some milk. And so this was um, an expression of hospitality during the nomadic days of the tribes of Israel. This was a common practice to show hospitality. And so when uh, Jael did this to Sisera, he felt safe, right? And so he was drinking the milk and he tells her, stand on guard and protect me. And so what happened because Sisera felt safe? Well, but when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. That's a brutal death, right? And so here's Sisera thinking he's safe because he received such hospitality from Jael, right? But Jael, while he was asleep, he took a hammer. She took a hammer and a tent peg. Back in those days, because they were nomads, a nomad would go from place to place. They would live in tents, right? And so when you build a tent, you have to have a hammer and a peg. Guess who is the one who, has, who does those things? Who was the homemaker? It was the woman. It was the wife, Jael. She was an expert with the hammer and the peg. <laughs> and so what did she do? She took that hammer and took that peg and drove the tent peg through his temple. And she, and so he died. And so Sisera thought he found escape. But he runs, she, he runs into exactly where Yahuwah wants him to be. And in the tent of Jael, that is where he finds his destruction. You see, when Yahuwah is working behind the scenes to carry out his purposes, he uses instruments that we could never, ever dream of using. His ways are different from our ways. So oftentimes we're surprised by how Yahuwah will deliver us from our predicament or problems in our life, which leads us to another biblical principle, something that we need to remember. When you are hard-pressed on every side because of problems and troubles one after the other, and then you cry to Yahuwah for help, you can be sure that Yahuwah will use someone, somewhere, to do something to help you without you even knowing it. <laughs> Did Barak know about Jael? Probably not. Never heard of her before. Never heard of her husband before. But he was. they were at the right place at the right time, not because of coincidence, but because Yahuwah is working behind 
the saints. And so Yehuah does the same thing for us because we are his people. We are members of his household. So when Barak uh, came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. She said, come and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with a tent peg through his temple. And so when Barak discovers Sisera, the one who was honored was not Barak, but Jael. When we go to the song in Judges, this is what, this is a part of the song. This was turned to a song. When most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. So she was a nobody before her. Right? She was just the wife of the Heber, of, of Heber the Kenite. And who were the Kenites? Nobody knows about the Kenites, right? And all of a sudden, she gets this distinction. Most blessed among women is Jael. May she be blessed above all women who live in tents. Sisera asked for water, and she gave him milk and a bowl fit for nobles. She brought him yogurt. Then with her left hand, she searched for a tent peg, and with her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera with a hammer, crushing his head. With a shattering blow, she pierced his temples. He sank, he fell, he lay still at her feet, and where he sank, there he died. I don't know how you can sing that song. Maybe it kind of rhymes in Hebrew, right? But don't worry, we're not going to turn this into a, a, a hymn, right? We're not going to turn this into a hymn. But they, they made a song in, they, they made a song out of this event, and those the one who was honored was. Jael, not only Jael, Deborah was also mentioned in the song. Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. That's amazing. She's considered the mother of Israel. That's a pretty lofty honor to give Deborah. And so what we find is that Jael and Deborah were the ones being glorified and honored. I mean, Barak was also honored in the song, but the one who kind of stand out were the two women. Right, Jael and Deborah, which is what Deborah proclaimed. Deborah said to Barak, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture for you who was victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. It was actually prophetic. However, the hands of the woman happens to be Jael. And so Deborah started it, but Jael finished it. And so that's how this story turned out. But they're not yet finished. Because who's still alive? The king. Remember, Sisera is just the commander. The king, King Jabin, is still alive. And so what would happen after this? 23, 24. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. And so it was not in one sitting or in one instant swoop that they would defeat the king. It was in a series of battles. They first defeat the commander, Sisera. And so after that, they became stronger and stronger, more and more decisive victories until finally... They destroyed King Jabin. And so many of our challenges in life, we don't usually overcome like in one day or in one year. 
It takes ages. Even when Yahuwah was working with us, because the Bible says God defeated Jabin. But the process of that defeat, which is God ordained, took stages to develop. And it happened because after one victory, they became stronger and stronger. More and more successive victories until finally they completely destroyed Jabin. And so what we find is a victory because of good leadership, right? This is why if we want to succeed as an organization, we in the assembly, or if your family wants to succeed as an organization, we need to learn the components of great leadership. So when we study the book of Judges 4 and 5, the Bible tells us three components of great leadership. Do you know what they are? For a, an organization like the assembly to thrive, for a family to thrive, we need the following components of great leadership. Prophesying, reconciling, and encouraging. Because after all, Deborah was a prophet. And so what did she do? She prophesied. Deborah was a judge. So what did she do? She reconciled. Deborah also encouraged. She was not the type of leader who would sit on the throne or sit and just tell people what to do. No. She encouraged by what she said and also by what she did. And so there's prophesying. Reconciling, encouraging. When we say prophesy, it's not about predicting. It's about proclaiming the word of Yahuwah as a source of guidance. And so today, how do we prophesy? When we read scripture, when we are guided by the patterns of scripture, when we preach and proclaim the word of God. We need that because the word of God is a light and a lamp. What does a light and a lamp do? It provides guidance in the long term and in the short term. We need to be filled with the word of God. This is why in the assembly, we study the word of God all the time. This is why we have Bible studies and worship services. Because the word of God is our light and our lamp. There's also reconciling. The primary duty of a judge is to listen to both parties, right? And then to kind of listen to both sides and make a decision. And so reconciling entails listening and settling disputes without bias that result in peace. And so Deborah was respected as a great judge because she was fair and she made great decisions. And so in any organization, we need to follow that same pattern. We need to listen. We need to learn how to discern. And we need to practice reconciliation so that we can live in peace. And also, Deborah was an encourager because she provided courage through words of affirmation and active support. And this is actually an important part of Deborah's leadership, which is sometimes it goes underappreciated, but it's something we need to apply in our life today, we need to learn how to encourage. The word encourage basically means to give courage. Because today, a lot of people lack courage. And when a person lacks courage, they don't do anything. And so to give courage, you give encouragement. And you give encouragement by the words that we say and also by our actions. And we give support through our words and our actions. So Deborah prophesied, reconciled, and 
encouraged. These are components of great leadership. Now, I want you to, to kind of keep that same thought and apply these principles in your family. In your family. The parents who are here, the fathers, the mothers, you have your own household. That is your place of leadership. And you have to follow these components of great leadership, right? Because the components of great leadership should apply to our own home. Let's apply it in our own home. Prophesy. Let us teach and guide through the word of God. Remind our children, remind our spouse about our future. But life on earth is not all that there is. Our real life is when Yahushua Christ appears. And so we need to follow the Moedim. We need to follow the pattern. We need, to be, we need to enrich our homes with the word of God. Let's reconcile. Let us be peacemakers, not troublemakers, not fault finders, but one who looks for peace. And so we need to always be there for each other and talk about our disputes instead of holding on to them, leading to bitterness of heart. No, we need to live in peace. And this begins with, uh, this, it, this means we need to reconcile with one another. We also need to encourage each other. Encourage your son. Encourage your daughter. Encourage your spouse. Because we all need support from one another. So when we practice the principles of great leadership, prophesying, reconciling, encouraging, it leads to the success of our own family. Never, ever underestimate the power of encouragement. And so if you will let me give one word to describe the book of, the book of Judges about Deborah and Barak, I would say it's encouraging because it illustrates for us the power of encouragement. And Deborah herself gives us many illustrations of how to be a great encourager because she herself was a great encourager. We, too, need to practice encouraging. How can we encourage each other? Notice the spelling of encourage. You broke it down into two words, E-N hyphen courage, to add courage. And so how can we add courage to one another? How can we encourage one another, whether it be in the family setting or in the church setting or in the business setting? How can we encourage one another? Another, that's what we're going to find out in the book of Judges for 8 to 9. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. And then Deborah says, I will go with you. When Barak went to battle, Deborah went with him. And so Deborah gave Barak encouragement by saying, I will go with you. You. This was very important for Barak because remember, initially she had he had a little doubt, which is but natural because he's after all a human being. So you can think of his hesitation as really contemplating and reflecting upon faith and the word of God, which is a good practice. We don't want to act out of blind faith. We want to also confirm our faith. And so in a sense, Barak had to go through that, but the one who stood beside him was Deborah. Deborah encouraged not just with words, but by her support. She offered herself. And so Barak did not feel alone. 
because when you want to encourage or give courage to someone, the best way to do that is by telling them, you know what, you're not alone. I'm with you. Try saying that to someone who's discouraged. Brother, sister, you're not alone. I'm with you. What can I do to support you? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? That is how we can encourage one another. When we go to our son, our daughter, our spouse, when they're feeling down, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, remember, I'm here for you. Whatever you need me to do, I'm going to support you. I'm by your side. Deborah was on the side of Barak, and that helped Barak develop his faith. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. So Barak, because of the encouragement of Deborah, eventually took action. His action of faith and his action of faith made it to Hebrews 11.32, where the Apostle Paul highlights the stories of faith and included among those who showed great faith and became a hero of faith was Barak. And I don't think this is even possible if there was no one encouraging him. And so brethren, do not underestimate the power of encouragement. When we are living together with people, let us encourage one another by offering and giving our support. I will go with you. You can count on me. I am by your side. Offer and give support. That's number one. How also did Deborah show encouragement? Let's read the book of Judges again, 4 verse 14. Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day Yahuwah will give you victory over Sisera, for Yahuwah is marching ahead of you. You notice that Deborah was reminding Barak about the promise of Yahuwah. And so she verbally spoke the word and promise of Yahuwah. When we speak to each other, the words and promises of Yahuwah, we will feel encouraged. There are many promises in the Holy Bible. The word of God is filled with so much inspiration that when we speak to each other, the word of God, when we share our favorite biblical passages with one another, we are left with courage. We are given encouragement so that we can carry out the task Yahuwah has given to us. So that's number two. Speak and affirm the words and promises of Yahuwah to one another. But also, uh, can we learn about how to encourage one another? In the book of Judges, chapter 5, when the song was being created by Deborah and Barak, and they sang the song, in the song, it mentions all the different tribes who participated in the battle against Sisera. You would think all of Israel would unite and go, go into battle against Sisera, but that's not the case. And so in the song, it kind of details for us who the participants were and who the non-participants were. And so in the song, the song mentions Ephraim, Benjamin, Zebulon, Issachar. They were all supported and they participated in the battle. Zebulon risked his life as did Naphtali. And so these were some of the tribes who participated with Barak and Deborah. And they went into battle against Sisera. But there were some 
tribes who did not participate at all. For example, Reuben, where on the tribe the tribe of Reuben, the Bible says there was great indecision. And so they were kind of uh, lukewarm. Maybe they were not fully given into the battle. There was great indecision. And there were tribes like Dan and Asher. Why did Dan stay home? Asher sat unmoved. So we can see there were tribes that were participants, and there were tribes who were not participants. There were those who were engaged in the work, and there were those who sat unmoved and stayed at home and had no care whatsoever with the work of Yahuwah. And the song the Bible mentions about the people of Moroz, let them be utterly cursed because they did not come to help Yahuwah. In other words, they did not participate in the work of Yahuwah. You see, the one thing Yahuwah expects from his people, when he begins a work, he expects his people to participate with him. Why? Because we're a people belonging to him. Why? Because we are members of his household. When the household of God work, they work together. And so Yahuwah expects that we are united in the work that we do. Because when we work together, when we participate together, it is very motivating. And it's very encouraging. This is why even in the Christian era, the Apostle Paul says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so when people participate, it encourages. And when we have, for example, our worship service gatherings and we see other members, other brethren participate and are present, it is very motivating, right? It's very encouraging when we share the videos that we have, when people participate in the discipleship project, when people participate in the children's ministry. It is very encouraging. And Apostle Paul wants us to motivate each other, to think of ways to motivate one another. And so, beloved brethren, we in the Assembly of Yahushua, we're working together as one. What Yahuwah expects from all of us is that we participate as one. We work together as one. Because when we participate, it brings encouragement. Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. When there's a lack of participation, it does not bring encouragement. It brings discouragement. Beloved brethren, let us do our best to participate in all of our activities so we can encourage one Another. So how can we encourage one another? Offer and give support, speak and affirm the words and promises of Yahuwah, participate to inspire encouragement. Also, one more thing. After Sisera was defeated, the work of killing uh, King Jabin was not yet done. And so the work was ongoing. But you notice in Judges 4, 23 to 24, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. And so what we see here is compound victory. When you have one victory, you appreciate that victory, and it leads to more encouragement and motivation. 
right? And then we have another victory. We appreciate that victory and it leads to more encouragement. And so this creates momentum towards the completion of the work. And so what we need to learn to do so that we can encourage each other is to appreciate each other's work, to appreciate past success and build momentum from each other towards the completion of the work. And so this is how we, in, we can encourage one another. Number one, offer and give support. Be there, you know, be there for your children. Be there for your spouse. Be there, especially during difficult times. Just your presence alone matters. And when we speak of your presence, we mean like getting rid of your cell phone and really be engaged with the person that you are with. Because when you are in the company of someone and the other person is not engaged into talking with you because you're always on their phone, then it's really not a, an offer of support. The offer of support is being present. And when it comes to being present, it means being attentive to each other. We need to be attentive to one another. You know, when we spend time with our kids, when we spend time with our spouse, we need to be attentive with each other, talking to each other. Sometimes we lost the art of conversation where we talk to each other and kind of share our life with one another. That is powerfully, powerfully encouraging and motivating. Let's bring that back in our homes, beloved brethren. We need to speak and affirm the words and promises of Yahuwah. When you know our spouse is going through some difficult time or our children is going through some difficult times, let us give them a promise from Yahuwah. Let us speak the word of God. Let us bless them with the, the words and promises of our Father. Let us remind each other, don't be afraid because Yahuwah is strong. Don't be afraid because Yahuwah is with us. Let's participate to inspire encouragement. And so if your child is in some kind of sport or in some kind of activity, be present. Take the time to support your son or your daughter by being present and participating in the activities of his or her life. Because when we participate, we, we communicate to the other person, we want to be involved in your life. And when somebody wants to be involved in your life, you don't feel alone. Because when you feel alone, you feel discouraged. But when you know you're not alone, you have courage. And so we provide that by participating in the lives of the people that we love. And let's appreciate. Let's appreciate and be thankful. Let us notice the strengths and the gifts that our children have, our spouse has. Instead of looking for faults and focusing on the fault, let's appreciate what Yahuwah has gifted them and work from there so that we can both motivate each other and create momentum towards success and not towards failure. So this is how we can encourage one another, whether it be in the church setting or in the family setting or wherever people are. Let us learn to practice this so that we can be each other's source of inspiration. But most of all, what we need to do, beloved brethren, is seek encouragement from Yahuwah and Yahushua. Well, how can Yahuwah and Yahushua encourage us? Let's read the final passage of our studies today in the book of John 14, 26 to 27. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, remember one of the most powerful ways to encourage a person 
is by standing next to them and saying to them, I'm with you, right? Because if you feel alone, you feel by yourself and you're facing a challenge, it's very discouraging and you want to give up. But when somebody says to you, I'm with you, don't worry, I got you, I support you. When somebody tells you that, all of a sudden you have courage because that's what encourage means. So how does Yahuwah and Yahusha encourage us? Is that even possible? Can Yahuwah and Yahusha stand by our side? Yes. It's called the advocate. The father sends the advocate through Yahusha. The advocate becomes a representative. Yahusha says, my representative. Do you know what the word advocate means? In the, the Greek word advocate that is used is parakletos, which means summoned, called to one side, especially called to one's aid. And so the advocate is the representative of Yahushua. In other words, when this advocate is present, it is as though Yahuwah is standing by our side. It is as though Yahusha is standing by our side. And if Yahusha is standing by our side, will you be encouraged? Absolutely. It is impossible to be discouraged if Yahusha is standing right next to you. Even if you're facing a storm, even if you're facing a lion's den or a lion's mouth, if Yahusha is standing right next to you, you're not discouraged. You're encouraged. And so how does Yahusha stand by our side? By sending the advocate. What is the advocate? That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Isn't this what we need especially now? With wars looming, poverty and hardship present. When there's terrorism threatened against all humanity. When you have problems because financial disasters, a lot of people are in fear. Afraid to get sick. Afraid of harm and danger. There's a lot of threats against us. We need encouragement. The Father knows that. Yahusha, our King, knows that. And so the, the advocate, the Holy Spirit is sent. And when the Holy Spirit is sent, we find encouragement. How? It teaches us and reminds us of the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is a source of encouragement when it is with the Holy Spirit. When the Word of God unites with the Spirit of God, it produces encouragement in our minds and in our heart. And so read the Bible. And when you read the Bible, pray for the advocate, pray for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is given, not only will it teach us everything, not only will it remind us about everything, it will also be a gift. What is that gift? Peace of mind and heart so that we will not be overcome by trouble and we will not be afraid by what we are facing in this life today. Imagine a family who has the power of the Holy Spirit protecting them, being in them. When our family is thriving because of the power of the Spirit of God, that is what 
a family that's thriving looks like. Let us ask, brethren, for the gift of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our homes, to surround us with peace, peace of mind, peace of heart, that we will know no matter what happens in the world today, Yahuwah Abba and his beloved son, Yahushua Mashiach, is with us, standing right next to us, who will protect us and provide for each one of us. This is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, most holy and gracious Abba Yahuwah, thank you so much for the blessing of your spirit, teaching us your holy words. There are nuggets of inspiring truth throughout your book. If you will mine them for treasures, indeed we will find them. It will nurture our faith and serve as a guide in our life. Father, you are our God. We know and believe that you love us, that you care for us. You are our encourager. Please send forth your Holy Spirit. Maybe there are households somewhere. Father, when we cry to you for help, respond from heaven. Do something, Father. We know that you are always working behind the scenes, doing things that we cannot think of. And for this, we thank you in advance. Because, Father, we know you deeply care for each one of us. Some of your people are beset with many problems. Often these troubles that plague us are beyond our ability to overcome. We cry out to you at this moment. We plead to you, Father Yahuwah, respond to your people. Give us your Holy Spirit. May we sense you standing by our side. When we feel your presence, we are no longer afraid. We know we can overcome all things. So, Father, please do not forsake us. Strengthen us and empower us that we can grow more and more in our faith. Our King Yahushua, you are our Messiah. May you please also stand by our side. May you encourage and strengthen us that we can endure until the end and complete our race. Remember our children, our parents, our loved ones. May your spirit reside in their hearts. By the gift of this spirit, we know we shall be strengthened and we shall find the gift of peace, peace of mind and peace of heart. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. You have forgiven our sins and healed us of our sicknesses. For we ask all things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.